Welcome back. In this week's episode, we discuss Russia switching to the gold standard, big tech banning even more conservatives, and the current situation going on in Israel. I'm Luke. And I'm Rody. And this is the Right Side of the Compass podcast. How was your weekend, Rody? It was good. Um... It was really nice. Good. Went to the city, um, saw a lot of people. Great. Yeah. Did we talk about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock across the face last week? I feel like we didn't. We didn't, but we could talk about it now. Yeah. No, this that was very. Them, I mean, it's <laughs> everyone. The memes are great. The memes are great. Just, God, thank God that happened. Now. Like Chris Rock said, that really was one of the greatest nights in all of television. And I don't watch television. It was great waking up to seeing all of a sudden Will Smith has gotten into another fight. You know, honestly, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have known the Oscars has like happened. Well, you know what happens next, right? What? Well, Will Smith got into one little fight. So now his mom says now he's moving in with his aunt and uncle in Bel Air. So, oh, yeah. So uh, we wish Will Smith the best of luck moving back to Bel Air with his aunt and uncle. We look forward to the reboot of uh, Pr- Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And uh, yeah, hopefully it won't be bad. Anyways, uh, so we want to deliver more content for you, dear listener, but we need your help. You could do this by smashing the like button, sharing the video with your friends, and subscribing to the channel. In addition, please hit the notification bell to make sure you get alerts concerning all of our uploads. We are also on your favorite podcast platform, so you can find us there if that works for you. If you want to reach out to us, you can slide into our DMs at the right side of the compass on Instagram or by commenting on the YouTube video. We put in a lot of work into this episode, so we hope you enjoy it. Anyways, so let's talk about topic number one. All rubles are gold. All those rubles are gold. And uh, let's get right into it. Russia announces rubles can now be exchanged for 5,000 rubles per gram. Yeah, so it's didn't. It's not... Um, it's not saying that you can exchange it. It's bu- it's buying it. Uh, I think. Like, I think it. Isn't it that the central bank is willing to pay five thousand rubles to other Russian banks to buy gold? Um, it's from other countries because different gold from other countries, depending on, can have different strengths. If no one's buying gold from Russia, Russians Russia's gold is going to be worth less than American gold because no one wants to buy from Russia. So they're having a discount and then, and then they want to buy more from other countries. So they buy, they're offering, I guess, much more um, per gram than other, uh, than, you know, than the current exchange rate. Well, that's why 5,000 rubles per gram, like even though there's a lot of inflation going on in Russia, 5,000 rubles per gram sounds like a lot of rubles. Uh, yeah, because they want gold. They're kind of telling – because no one wants to sell to, to Russia. So they're kind of like you know making it you know too good in order to, to get the gold. Right, and then the, then the beautiful thing I, I assume for the Russians is that now once – if let's say Russia gives you 5,000 rubles for a gram of gold, right? Russia has the gold. Now they have the gram of gold. You have 5,000 rubles. What do you do with 5,000 rubles? Well, that's the next part. Now you could use your rubles to buy gas. Well, you have to if you want to buy from Russia. If you want to buy gas from Russia, you need to use your rubles. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it seems like a good strategy that they're doing, Um Going back to because ever since this whole war started, their currency just plummeted. It's just like worthless now. Well, that's because up until now, debt was based on, or, or rather, currency was based on debt, right? It was based off the trust of the government, right? Um, which, debt and credit. It was right. based off credit, like that that your country had good enough credit, okay, to do business with other you know countries. And if you have good credit, then, you know, you have a good economy because then other people want to do business with you. Well, that's interesting because we were talking about a social credit score for a while. And then when they started banning people from the financial system, you know, for having the wrong opinions, for being at the wrong protest, it's very interesting that they use social credit. Like they would say like, oh, you know, well, you were at this wrong protest. Well, Russia was just, you know, you you could disagree with the invasion of Ukraine all you like, but at the end of the day, 
what's going on with Russia is they're essentially being canceled. Yeah, that's that's the point of sanctions is to to suffocate uh, the country into submission. Right. So once you recognize that, essentially what Russia is saying, well, we have no credit anymore. So the ruble cannot be based on credit and debt. It has to be based on something that is that is beyond that value that that retains its value. Or like, that is gold is very volatile. And that's why people don't really put it. It's very volatile, but in the end of the day, it's it always retains its value in terms of like it's never going to go down to zero. Yeah, someone unless the world gets destroyed, someone will have a use for gold, and therefore it will be valuable to somebody. But Russia's credit is only as valuable as Russia behaves itself. But if Russia doesn't want to behave itself, its its currency needs to be based on. Russia needs to be able to say, oh, if you come to us with a certain amount of rubles, you could get a certain amount of gold. Yeah, you're right. Um, but they haven't – they're thinking or they're trying to get to it. They haven't officially uh, switched their ruble to the gold standard. They, they haven't done it yet, but it's very obvious to anyone who's paying attention. If you see these things, you're like, oh, well, Russia's switching to the gold standard. So now we better get our gold in order and – that's that's what we need to talk about. Russia switching to the gold standard. First of all, brilliant move by Russia. Even if they don't manage to succeed, it's a brilliant move. Yeah, no, it is. They're trying to they're trying to get away from the the grip and you know grasp of the U.S. dollar. Um, what you might say, the liberal economic order. Yeah, I guess if that's what it's called. <laughs> well, the, the, I'm of the of the two of us. I'm much more conspiratorial, so. Uh, uh, it, definitely the liberal economic order is much more what I would call it because let's face it, the U.S. is not just the U.S. It's also Britain. It's also France. It's also Germany. It's the EU. It's NATO. It's all the different countries that operate on a certain mode of understanding that everything is institutionalized, that everything is credit and debt. and, and so uh, like the Western world. Yeah, the truth is Russia is not a Western country, and uh, they, they realize that they're not going to win a war against the West, which is to say, in the narrow sense, we're talking about Ukraine, but in the broader sense, they're talking about the US, they're talking about the European Union, they're talking about NATO, mm -hmm. so they're not going to win a war against the West unless they stop using Western institutions. I mean, like... I mean, right now they're in a war. Uh, Russia and Ukraine are in a war themselves. But if you also kind of think about it, they're also at you know they're they're not just fighting an actual war. They're fighting an economic war right now with you know with the West. There, there. It's not just an economic war. It's a war of position. Yeah, no, it's definitely a war of like power and position. I think this is actually a really critical moment because if Russia succeeds in you know moving their you know, the ruble to the, to the gold standard and also succeed with um, with getting away from the petrol, you know, dollar and saying to other countries, hey, you need to buy our gas in, in ruble. Um, what that does is, first of all, if other countries follow suit, then, you know, America's in big trouble. And But that's the thing, right? Because America is not going to respond to this by announcing their own switch to the gold standard. America's not going to respond to this by selling their own gas, which would be the simple solution. If if I were the president of the United States, the simple solution would be to open up the Keystone XL pipeline, to start making gas, to start making oil, or to start, you know, extracting it or whatever you do with all this energy. I don't I'm not an energy expert, so I can't tell you what you do, because just as I'm also, not a biologist, so <laughs> also America can't. If America goes to the gold standard it'll Basically, the economy would just be all over the place. But that would be like a temporary thing. That wouldn't be the end of America. I think initially it would be kind of chaotic, but then eventually it would probably be for the best. Yes and no. It has to do with like the printing of money. Part of the reason why they got off the gold standard is because when the money, when, when your currency is pegged to the gold standard, you can't just print out money. Okay? Because there is a finite amount of gold that you have. Right. So that, that was part of the reason why Nixon got off the gold standards when, so they can, they can start printing out, you know, more money. Right. 
understood. What I'm saying is that initially there would be some chaos because you'd have to figure out how to get off the gold standard or get on the gold standard properly from a fiat currency. Fair enough. But once you've done that, it would probably the policies that would follow would have to be much more measured. They would have to be much more sensible, and they would have to be made by adults. Right now, we have a bunch of children running the United States, and the reason why is because you have the most powerful country in the world that has a monopoly on the currency used to buy gasoline, and every time they don't like something, they just print money to push the problem, but eventually the the bill comes due, right? But the people in charge are not the people that are going to be mature enough to say, hey, we need to do this, it's going to hurt, but we're going to do it, and we're going to do it, and then it's going to, we're going to solve the problem. Because let's face it. Yeah. Let's face it, it, it will take some political courage to get off the fiat currency. Um, I don't know what how that would help the U.S., though, but... What do you mean how uh, it would help the U.S.? It would very obviously help the U.S. To be on the gold? Yes, very obviously. Not really, because you can't you can't expand you can't you can't grow the economy unless you're printing out more uh, unless you're printing out more money and now that was the reason why Nixon decided to go off the gold standard was because first of all it was to in, to fight inflation and deflation okay basically like he wanted to de- you know deter people from you know when there was too high inflation people were then you know exchanging their money for gold and he wanted to stop people from doing that and also, if you want to grow the economy, the way you grow the economy is about printing out money. But who's okay. to say we should be growing the economy? That Again, there are certain assumptions in what you're saying. The assumption is we should be growing the economy. But why? Why do we need to grow the economy? Why is the first concern money? Why is the first concern uh, business? Why can't the first – con- That's how the world works. It's how the world spins round and round. No, it doesn't. The world does not spin because some executive somewhere has a fatter paycheck. That's just not true. Conservatism, right? Conservatism is about conserving something. And that thing is not the paycheck of some CEO. The, the, the purpose of conservatism is conserving the family, conserving the culture, conserving liberty. I don't care if we're a little, if we're a little less prosperous overall and we have to spend a little more money on our iPhones. Or better yet, if we have to exchange our iPhones for a flip phone. I think that would be better. If we had to do that, it would be more productive to society if, if, if growth was measured. If you couldn't just grow by just printing money and saying, ooh, we have more money now, because that's not how things work. Well, when you print out more money, you entice, you know, people to, you entice people to develop more. So like a lot of, and to grow and to, you know, you know, borrow more money, which if you, if you're printing out more money, then companies can borrow more money and then they can then develop or make new technology, you know, faster and easier. So but it's, who cares? It's a matter of who cares? progress. And who also cares? in the end of the day, people who cares, people, obviously people do in the end of the day, people will be human and people are greedy and people, what does it mean? Who cares? You don't care, but obviously people do. But what, but that's the thing. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help my family if I have access to an iPhone. It doesn't, it doesn't at all. I, I, I think actually it would be better if we didn't have access to these things. And when I left the office, I come home and someone can't reach me and I could be with my family and I could be left alone and I'm not married to my job. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to really respond. Yeah, I understand that in a way technology has made your life harder because you have, you know, your access, you have, you know, easier access to everything. So you, like you say, you can access work, but I don't know. It's just not how it works. <laughs> so explain to me. So explain to me why my first concern must be the economy. Why can't it be the values that I hold? Why can't it be the things that matter to me? I don't care if some executive makes more money. What I want is because money is power. Okay. And if you want, if you're a country, okay, you want power. Okay. And if you have that power, then you have control over, you know, in America's case, um, then you have control over other people. Now, in order to get that power, you want to expand your economy as big as possible because if you have the biggest economy, okay, that means you have the best credit and you have other people wanting to do business with you. 
and people want to invest in you. Who would you rather do business with, name me or Jeff Bezos? I mean, obviously Jeff Bezos, but... Exactly. Okay, but what if I told you that I don't really care if America gets bigger? I want America to focus on its own thing. I don't really care if America is involved in Ukraine. I would prefer if America was not involved in Ukraine. Okay, fine. So let's make... Okay, let's use the example of Israel, okay? If Israel wasn't trying its hardest to invest in high tech, which in turn brings in more money for them, which then... By by Israel focusing on the their economy and what they do best, they're growing in the global stage, even though they're a very small country. Right. But if they weren't focusing on high tech, they would actually have to win their wars because they wouldn't have lots of investors investing in a little country. And so they wouldn't have billions of dollars to throw at missile defense systems. And right, so if Arabs came to changed. There's no reason why the rules can't go back. We First of all, the rules have not changed insofar as the actual reality on the ground. Because the reality on the ground is Russia Russia still invaded Ukraine. So what rules have changed exactly? I, I'm not quite sure what rules you're referring to. The rules... We, we say the rules have changed, but that's just people in academia. But people in academia, as you know, uh, all, the, all the degrees in the world and a buck fifty will get you a cup of coffee. What matters is actual reality. And as we've seen, that when push comes to shove, people are more than willing to go to war for their countries because people believe in things. And that's just the reality. I'm sorry. I, 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 I care more about what goes on in my country than what goes on in other people's countries. Yes, it's mm. sad to see what goes on in the Arab world. But the truth is, as long as the Arab world doesn't invade me, I can't be concerned about what goes on in the Arab world. I'm concerned about what goes on in my country. And in my country, I want people to do the right thing. I want there to be a moral backbone. I want there to be a culture that I, I like, and I want there to be um, I want there to be a certain stability that we don't have anymore because everything is about money now. Everything is about materialism. Everything is about money. You can learn a skill such as how to be an Instagram influencer, but in ten years from now, being an Instagram influencer is not going to be worth anything because Instagram is going to be replaced with something else. Everything's replaceable. Everything is. Everything can be thrown in the garbage. Already, Facebook is not so relevant. I remember when Facebook was a big thing. Now, no one's on Facebook except for old people. I want things that last. I want things that matter. I don't care if we if we have these technologies or not, because they're not important. What matters to me is, is getting food on the table. What matters to me is having sensible policies. What matters to me is, is passing my society down to the next generation. And right now... I don't think the Americans are in any position to be telling people, hey, you know, this is our way of life. It's way better than I I'm sorry, we're transing the kids now. I don't I don't care what the Americans want. Reduce the American Empire. Bring back the tradition. Come on, man. Yeah, but you have to real maybe if that was on a national scale, you have to realize we're in a global economy. So in order if you want your life to be good, you want the country's uh you know, life to be good. And in order to do that, you need, you know, good financial stability st stability from the country and you need the country's economy to be on constant growth because if you're not growing then you're then you're on decline and you don't want to be on decline right but i would rather my growth be built on solid foundation and as i'm as i see it the growth the artificial growth stimulated by fiat currency is not sustainable because the bill always is due if you grow in a much more stable way, in a slower way, yes, it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight, but you can end up growing in a much more sustainable way, in a much more real way. And we and this is what we see right now. We we've we've grown the United States ever since World War II has grown more than any other economy in history. And what do we have for it to show for it? Nothing. We're more cynical than ever, we're more jaded than ever. Okay, so we have we're fatter. Okay, so we have more food, but now we're just fat. We, it does, has not added more meaning to our life to be richer. Yeah, um, I don't know. But going back to going back to Russia. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, um, hey, that was that was good. That was a good. That was not. That was fun. No, no. I I still have some stuff to say about Russia. I mean, Russia is also thinking about going to Bitcoin, even. Um, so that would also like be a big move. Also, that would be a big move. I think Bitcoin is like the digital equivalent of gold. I don't, I just, I personally don't see, 
I, I was having a debate online about this the other day. And someone was like, oh, we all need – like uh, they were talking about how Canada wants – there was a politician in Canada that wants to become – that wants Canada to become like the blockchain capital of the universe. And I said, I don't think you guys want that. I don't think you want to become the blockchain – I think you want cash to be king. That's much more important, cash to be king. And he's like, how could you say that? Governments man manipulate currency all the time. Only blockchain is good. And I said, well, first of all, blockchain currencies, they're not regulated by anything. They're not connected to anything. And they're not real. So your currency is based on nothing. But also you're locking out people who are not tech savvy and you're locking out uh, people who forget their password or whose devices break down. I lost like 50 XRP on an old iPhone that, you know, that the that the wallet just like stopped. They stopped supporting the wallet and I forgot the password and then I lost 50 XRP. Now, I don't think that's going to matter, but. Who the hell knows? Maybe I'll be a hypothetical billionaire, but it doesn't matter. I lost access to that money. Cash is is physical. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's a nice thing to have. It's it's always good to have options. It's I, I'm not saying no to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's are pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, but it looks like Russia's really trying to be a serious country right now. Well, like you said, it's a war of power at this moment. And if I'm being honest, I mean, I actually think it's like if if China takes notes of what Russia is doing and, you know, China is definitely the biggest economy in the world or obviously the GDP of America is way bigger, but um, that's that's soon going to change. And, you know, it's inevitable that China is going to be the biggest uh you know, economy. And if they decide, hey, we're going off the petrodollar also, um, then yeah. Uh, well, know, that's America. why I think America should just get off the, the should should get off the fiat currency and should go back to the gold standard because I don't think America is going to win if it tries to hold on for dear life. But if America adapts and says, okay, well, we have the we have such and such gains. Now we're not able to hold on to it. So let's switch to the gold standard. Let's go back to the old thing. Let's rework let's rebuild our country. Let's focus on fixing the problems at home. Right? And and genuinely mean it, right? And not just say it, but genuinely mean it and do genuine things that will genuinely help the country. I think America could come out stronger that way. I don't think America's strong when it's always sending their best men across the globe to fight terrorism or whatever. And I, I don't think that they're better off by trying to manipulate everyone and trying to tell everyone else what to do. I think America's the best when it when it, it does its own thing, but it does it better than anyone else. You, you're saying that basically they should take a, take a step back and you know focus on themselves. Yeah, it's like I it's like I've I don't remember if I said it on the show or if I said it to someone else or if it was a shower thought or whatever it is, but I remember thinking you know, and this is what Michael Knowles talks about as well. And then you could just hit the bell for that. Um, it's not, or it's it's an expansion on what Michael Knowles said. Essentially, it's not a problem to have an empire in and of itself. Everyone's anti-empire nowadays, anti-imperial nowadays for whatever reason and you know i can i can respect that but it's not even being anti-imperialist it's about what does your empire stand for what what is the purpose of your empire i think a lot more americans would be okay with an empire if they felt that america was had its ducks in a row and they knew what america stood for and they felt that america had a positive vision for the world but i think a lot of americans on both sides and and i say on both sides because Let's face it, even the hardcore leftists who I disagree with on fundamental issues, they, they're Americans too. And, you know, they have – they don't see the value in what's going on in the United States right now. And I think if we don't have a unified front, we can't have an empire. Uh, so I'm not necessarily interested in sending the boys to go die for trans rights in Ukraine because I don't want trans rights in the United States, much, like, much less trans rights in Ukraine. So um, – we're going to see. I, I think this this will be a positive development, but it's a real shame that this is happening under Joe Biden because I think if Trump were in charge, he would kind of say, oh, we're going to do that too. Um, actually, I do not. First of all, Trump loves debt, and he actually said it himself. He's like, I love debt. Yeah, but I think he would see the writing on the wall at least. 
Well, let's put know. it this way. At least Trump would know that if you want to end the conflict immediately, he would know we need to go back to producing energy. Oh, that yeah, that that's a different story. Yeah, but, but it going would never to the get... gold standard. I do not think he would go back to. It's 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 kind of like a lo- it's one of those things. I feel like it's kind of a lost cause at this point. We're so much in debt. It, it wouldn't. It would be too bad. Well, hey, listen. If Russia goes back to the gold standard, there might be a different conservative president that might go back to the gold standard. I mean, you, you can't stay this much in debt forever. Eventually, the bill comes due, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pay for it. If not, our kids. That's just the reality. Yeah. Well. Um, if you can't beat them, shut them up, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, well, so uh, I remember I remember, I was following the culture war back in uh, 2016, and I remember there were characters such as Miley Yiannopoulos, who were very popular. Um, yeah, you don't hear of him anymore. There's a reason for that. We're going to get right into it. Uh, but let's talk about what happened. Over the past week or so, I think a bunch of... Uh, conservatives got censored on social media <laughs> you have charlie kirk who got censored on twitter you have the babylon b who got censored on twitter you have sydney watson who had her patreon disabled you had tucker carlson who got censored on twitter tucker carlson by the way is not a internet crackpot he's on fox news right he's not exactly an internet shitlord. so you have to understand that uh they're they're, they're out in full force and uh we're almost at the midterms. Woohoo! I hate midterms. Now I'm joking. Well, that's because. <laughs> well, that's because you were in school. Now that we're adults, we should despise midterms. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. No, but it, right now it is the end of March. It's the beginning of April, right? Soon we're going to start seeing a lot no, of campaigning April. for the midterms. We're going to see a lot of campaigning for the midterms. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of campaigning because, again, even though the midterms happen in November, you need to campaign beforehand. Yeah. And so once you have so... all these once you have all these people off of social media, you're going to have a lot less activism on the conservative side advocating for certain candidates, certain policies. The left is going to have a lot more free reign to advertise their politicians. You are definitely right. That is a sad reality. Right. And so where have we seen this before? So after 2016 – I would say that one of the characters that really helped Trump break through into the White House was Miley Yiannopoulos. But broadly speaking, it was the the broad conservative support for Donald Trump, but especially through characters like Miley Yiannopoulos, who was able to break the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's why a lot of leftists were complaining that Facebook is good for right-wing, right-wingers, that the algorithm was that's, – that's why people will say things like, oh, Facebook is a right-wing organization because the Daily Wire does so well on, on Facebook. Well, the, well, if I was going to be honest, Facebook is kind of a boomer platform and the Daily Wire you know, appeals to boomers because they're the only ones that are still, assu- uh, still amused by someone saying Ben Shapiro destroys leftists with facts and logic because now it's, like, it's kind of an old – headline but they're still amused by it so but the point is is that facebook and other social media companies they took that to heart and now they started banning conservatives so it was a big deal when milo got banned on twitter and milo is banned on facebook and milo's banned on this platform and that platform and so he can't really get his message out right and there's and and there's a lot of characters who got banned, and I don't even like all of them, but there are a bunch of characters that got banned because they were very, very effective at spreading I – I wouldn't even say necessarily conservative message, but just their message. They were very effective at it. And now they're banning characters who are a lot more milquetoast. Uh, Charlie Kirk, for example, is not exactly the most uh, compelling conservative character in my opinion. He's, he's He kind of had some really bad takes, and uh, not only that, he, he's also kind of – He's more of an organizer than he is a, a conservative figure, but he got banned on social media. And then you got really? Sydney Watt. Facebook? Well, Twitter. Oh. But that's the one that really matters because that's where all the activism takes place. Facebook is a lot more for boomers. But yeah. Twitter's but Twitter's like good for firing off a tweet. Hey, I'm going to be here. Oh, hey, support this candidate. Or hey, do this. Facebook's a lot more long form. You share articles. You do this. You do that. But Twitter's where you get into fights with people, and that's that's a lot of political activism these days. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna see that uh, that conservatives have an uphill battle because they have to fight against the censorship, even if 
Twitter and Facebook respect the right for candidates to have their own social media. The reality is, is that it's also about the activists. And if they're shutting up the conservative activists, then conservatives do have a bit of a, a disadvantage here. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. So, and, and this is one of the reasons why social media is not a private enterprise. It can't be a private enterprise. What, well, how would making it public help? No, 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 I'm not saying it needs to be run by the government. I'm saying looking at it as solely a private enterprise, treating it like a falafel stand is not going to help anyone. A falafel stand can be a private enterprise. A falafel stand has very little impact on the public square. So you're saying they're more like uh, a fast food chain? Like McDonald's? No, I'm saying that they're more like a utility. They're more like the water company or the electric company, or they're more like a public square or they they cannot be regulated. We cannot have change until conservatives start realizing social media is not about which company owns the social media platform. It's about who is allowed to speak in the public square, who is allowed to speak. That's the answer. The answer to that question is going to be who continues to win. We've seen last week, we spoke about this last week, that uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson said, oh, I'm not a biologist, so I can't tell you what a woman is, right? And, and silly as that sounds, that is the, the Democrat, that's the, that's the elite point of view, which is that there is, there is a deference to an authority. There's an elite that gets to make these decisions. But we don't live in that world anymore, and our elite are not even equipped to make those decisions. That's why the democratization of information is so great, because now you have regular people who see through, they see through all this and they go, huh, maybe I should not trust that guy who's sitting in that government office somewhere, right? Now, if the guy in the government office meant well, and he was correct, and he had good information, then perhaps it would be a good idea to listen to the guy in the government office. But we've seen time and time again that having a degree from Harvard probably indicates that you're an idiot doesn't indicate that you're smart. Um, and all the people in the government do have these fancy schmancy degrees and they all believe in the same things and they all go to the same fancy dinner parties and so perhaps we shouldn't listen to them. But the left is still very much of the opinion that a biologist can determine what a woman is and you, you idiot, who's been asking out women your entire life, you can't make that decision. You don't know the answer to that. This, this entire time, I could have been asking out only men and I wouldn't know that because I'm not a biologist. But, so that's the point, right? So this is why social media needs to be regulated to be more of a public enterprise, or at the very least, it needs to be much more available. It needs to fall under certain anti-discrimination rules. There needs to be rules around social media saying social media can't make decisions about what's what you can censor and what you can't censor based on their own opinions. And so that's why it's very important to make sure that these social media companies, these banking institutions, these financial companies... They have to remain neutral. Otherwise, we need to regulate them into submission. I guess if nothing else, we're going to need to win this battle right here, right now. We're going to need to kill it in the mid midterms. And you might say, well, Luke, uh, we're going to win the midterms because the Democrats are hemorrhaging voters. And to that, I say, well, don't put it past the Republicans to grasp defeat from the jaws of victory. I bet you the the Republicans can find a way somehow to mess this up. So we have an uphill battle. Don't allow them to get away with this. We need to win this battle. We need to take the entire Congress, both the House and the Senate, and we need to start passing laws past Joe Biden just so that we can get past this. And if we can't do it now, we have to win the White House and then start doing it again. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't have hope because a lot of these companies are, are, are doing this and it's just, what do you even do, man? Anyways, so let's talk about our third topic for the day, and this is Omer Barlev, Israel's gun czar. It's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> which we are talking about Russia today, so it is appropriate to bring up the gun czar. Anyways, so it, I don't know if you were paying attention this week in Israel, but uh, we've been having a lot of terrorism. I think like four to five days of the week we had a terrorist attack, if not all five yeah, days. Yeah, really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's. I think there's like eleven people dead, yeah. including. Why well, I'm also like surprised what we're about to talk about. I don't know why you're surprised. I don't know why well, you're so shocked. Israel, uh, Israel does not have a based right wing government. If we did, we would not be in this problem in the first place. 
we have a very weak left-wing government. Even the right-wing government here is left-wing, and that's why we're in these problems in the first place. Well, I guess let's get into it. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So, yeah, so Israel had a bloody week of terrorism. Um, yeah, I remember. It was, it was, I didn't, to tell you the truth, we, we could talk about it for a couple minutes. So I was talking to a friend, um, and she asked me, like, what I thought about, you know, the whole thing. And I said, you know, I didn't really think about it. So I asked her what she thought about it, because I, I didn't really put too much thought into it, because I was doing other things, and I was like, I guess it, it's kind of sad. I'm a bit desensitized to it. Anyways, so she says, you know, she spoke to a friend and she tells me, you know, uh, with the Russia-Ukraine conflict going on, the Palestinian issue is not getting enough focus. So literally, they're just children. Um, and then also, there's a lot of Israeli settlers that uh, are, are, are kind of using the whole situation to kind of, you know, invade on Palestinian take space. Take advantage. Take advantage. And then there's also a lot of peace talks recently between Israel and Arab nations. I think last week there was a peace summit. Um which is very silly to me because you shouldn't need a peace summit. Just don't go to war. You don't need a peace summit. <laughs> just it's, it's that simple. <laughs> I think it was more like doing business with each other, also. But so that's the, that's the thing I hate about governments. They always need to put some pomp, unnecessary pomp, unnecessary, uh, uh, um, I guess pizzazz to something very normal. Like, why not just sign some agreements on doing business and call it? A, like, why do you need to get there? Have these diplomats start pontificating on big ideas? I will believe you when there's actually peace in the Middle East. Until now, stop pontificating and start doing. It, it seems like all these politicians know how to is to kind of move their mouths and they don't know how to do anything, uh, which is very unfortunate because uh, for very obvious reasons. But uh, but the but. Tangent aside, it seems that the Palestinians want to be in the news again, and so Hamas started paying individual people to start going and killing people, uh, as it were. And and you know you lose a bunch of people that way. There was actually a Druze police officer was officer that was killed, a Christian police officer that was killed, uh, and then there was also a Jewish police lady that was killed who moved from France. You had a bunch of uh, other people that were killed. Um, which it's all sad. Uh, there were two Ukrainian refugees who got killed, actually. So we That's know upsetting. we know which side Palestine stands in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Um, so that's that. Um, but the point is, I think eleven people were killed this week, and you know, I'm a, I know I'm a cynical jerk, but uh, that is sad to hear, and we don't want that to happen. But now we're going to talk about the thing that I think. I think we do have something to say about because there's there's nothing I could really add to the to the gravity of the situation. I think everyone agrees that you know the loss of human life is very sad. Uh, but here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Public Security Minister Omar Barlev of the Labor Party of the Avodah Party in July 2021. This is how many months ago? Seven months ago? Eight months ago? Um, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he he wanted to restrict gun access. And um, this is why I don't understand why you're so shocked about what's going on, because this is not news. Well, that was seven. That was, you know, months ago. So what does that have to do with now? Well, for the very simple reason that Israel under the Netanyahu government, and you'll never see me praising the Netanyahu government, by the way. So this is a very rare instance on the right side of the compass podcast. But one of the things that the Netanyahu government was doing well was that they were loosening up the gun rules. And what I mean by that is, is that they were slowly allowing more and more people to qualify for a gun license. Yeah, which is good. That's very good. I mean, yeah, it's not it, it's not the Second Amendment I wanted, but I don't think we're ready for a Second Amendment yet. But uh, definitely, at the very least, combat soldiers should have... Uh, you don't should, choose the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment chooses you. <laughs> I feel like that's a Russian thing. I have no idea. <laughs> no, like re like reversing what things are. That's a like a Russian thing. Like in Soviet Russia, the, the, like bear oh, eats you. <laughs> you don't eat bear. Bear eat you. Or you know, <laughs> you don't eat. <laughs> you don't eat cow. Cow eats you, and or something like that. <sighs> so yeah, but. Now that we have this Bennett government, which is a unity government, which is to say it's a disunity government, because um, things don't mean what they mean in in, in upside down world, what they mean the opposite of what they mean. Uh, unity government means disunity government. 
peace government means war government. Uh, government about uh, get, running, going back to normal is the government of ramping up the crazy, as we see in the United States. Um, but yeah, so Omer Barley, if he was put in, in charge of public security, and he wants to restrict access to guns. Um, why is he doing this? I don't know. I mean, especially after these terrorist attacks. Yeah. So essentially, a bill is now going to be presented before uh, Omer Barlev to kind of approve before it gets you know ratified. I have a feeling that Omer Barlev is going to say no to it. It actually would. It would even. It would make the gun laws even looser, right? Uh, so, for example, um, this is kind of a the, the Jerusalem Post article I sent you. Uh, said that all combat soldiers have access to guns. That's just factually incorrect. Except for us. <laughs> no, so I'm saying it's factually incorrect because it's all it, when it says combat soldier, what they really mean is soldiers with a certain level of infantry training, but not all combat soldiers have that level of infantry training because not all combat soldiers are infantry. Discrimination. That's what it, it is. <laughs> you know, they're racist against people who are not... <laughs> combat uh, they're they're racist against people who are not <laughs> infantry soldiers and and i demand reparations from the state <laughs> for this blatant discrimination yeah they, they are they are infantry centric these people <laughs> infantry centric how dare they how dare they how dare they how dare they 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 are they are they are discriminating against people with disabilities such as us we don't have zero seven training we only have zero three training they're discriminating against people. Can you believe these jerks? I can't. I, I can't even. I'm so. I'm so triggered right now. I need a safe space. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, that's that. But uh, yeah. But this is this is ridiculous that he's doing this. He's he's in the Labor Party, and first of all, this is what happens when you get your unity government. So thank you, Bennett, for doing this. I would rather have no government at this point than a unity government. Um, but I do want to talk about something else. Gun laws do not restrict gun access. Let's 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 face it. What do you mean don't. by that? It means that there's no real such thing as gun control. Okay, elaborate. <laughs> Namely, someone is going to have weapons. Someone okay. is going to have a weapon. The question is, who gets to have a weapon? Okay. The question is, does the state centralize and almost? It's, it's almost like the other thing. Like, we have the democratization about the information, right? But now the government is telling these companies, not like, not actually, but they're, they're essentially t telling these companies, they're asking these companies nicely to promote their way of thinking, right? To, to push aside the ways of thinking that are not what they want and to promote the ways of thinking that they like, right? We now defer to biologists when we want to know if someone's a man or a woman, Right. And the same thing with guns. We have in Israel, we have a centralized authority that wants all the access to all the weapons. This is very similar to what happened with the Altalena affair. So anyone who knows anything about the history of Israel knows that before the state of Israel, we had three different organizations that were responsible for the defense of Jews in British mandate Palestine. You had the Haganah, which turned into the IDF. There was the Irgun and there was Alechi. Now, the, there was a point when the Irgun wanted to bring in some weapons from France and the Haganah sunk the ship. Now, this was at the beginning of the founding of the state of Israel. And the Haganah didn't successfully integrate the Irgun and the Lechi into the Haganah yet. Right? And David Ben-Gurion, his, his, his logic was as follows. I want that the Haganah has, has complete access to weapons and I want other people and other organizations not to have access to weapons. They want centralized gun ownership. So they want the they wanted essentially what what they were saying back in 1948. They wanted only the ex only the experts can have guns. Only if you're wearing a green uniform can you own a gun. Now, yeah, just the, just the army, right? Um, now I understand the logic. I just disagree with it. I disagree with it a lot. And I think a lot of Jews disagree with it. And I see that a lot of Jews are now getting their guns now. And so to those people, I say, well, you need to start petitioning your government. You need to start telling these people, hey, listen, if you're not going to give us a first, a second amendment, rather, at the very least, let the people who trained with weapons in the army to get their guns back. 
if not a pistol, maybe a, a, a rifle of some kind, let them carry around their weapons. Treat it like weapons in Switzerland, where once you're done with the army, you have a responsibility to carry a weapon. Um, yes. Um, I'm just going to pay, not devil's advocate, but I guess one argument I could make against that. Like, for example, if you give everyone a gun, you can potentially have more um, casualties because let's say there is a terrorist attack. Okay. And this guy is, you know, attacking people. Well, then if, if it's in a public area and all of a sudden you have, you know, 10, 20 people around who have guns and they're all going to be firing at this person and you're, you know, let's face it, you're probably not every bullet is going to hit the terrorist and you might, you know, accidentally hit another civilian. So if, like, for example, you don't want to have everyone, let's say in a synagogue carrying you know a gun for that exact reason, because you might hit someone else if you if everyone is firing at, you know, at a at a single point okay then obviously you might hit someone else right so to so to that i'd say i'd have two points number one i would hope that someone who goes through the the requisite weapons training would know not to fire their gun if they're not sure they can make the shot and to let someone else who can make the shot make the shot and to and i guess to build on that point which is i guess my second point we never know who's going to be the one who needs to fire the shot. We don't know who's going to need to fire the shot. That's just the reality. But the right to self-defense is, is one of the most intrinsic individual rights there is. Right? You as an individual have the right to self-defense. Yeah. And if the enemy has access to guns, then so should you. We that cannot, you know, I, I, it's, listen, the, re, the, the reality is, is someone's always going to get hurt. Someone's always going to get hurt. But the question is, do you have to accept that? Do you have to accept that for yourself? Do you have the right to, to challenge people who, who violently threaten you? And in Israel, as of right now, the answer is, it depends if you follow the criteria. And I don't know necessarily if I want that to be the case, or if I, at least, at the very least, if I want the criteria to be so draconian. I think one of the rewards for being a combat soldier should be, we trust you with a weapon. Um... Yeah, so they're trying to give it to combat soldiers only, and obviously they don't want to give it to everyone. So, like, obviously there should be enough people who have served in combat or infantry that, yes, there will be enough people in those But I areas. think it's... The right, odds but, of it, it's probably very high. Right, but number one, they didn't do it yet because it's still at 0-5, and there are a lot of combat soldiers who did 0-3, right? Discrimination. Discrimination. I know. Uh, I know. The nerve. The nerve. Uh, but more importantly, there are a lot of people who served in the army that did zero two. Why why does the why does the life of a combat and I'm I'm about to say something, I'm gonna I'm gonna advocate for people who don't exactly look or are like me in any way whatsoever, but why is it that people who served in the army but are not combat soldiers, why does their life matter less? Does their <laughs> is their blood not as red as my blood? Uh I think maybe it has to do with like, you know, like you said, like training and, but like, it's not hard to get training. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, listen, I would be willing to say, I would be willing to li listen. If they said, if they made a new rule tomorrow in, in, in Israel, that said, if you were a combat soldier, but you didn't do zero seven training, which is by the way, basic infantry training, but not just, just like to get you an idea. A lot of times a tank operator will get like zero three and and a combat engineer will get zero five but only like actual like infantry soldiers will get zero seven i would say like hey listen why don't we make up a way to close the gap why don't we offer more extensive training to people who don't have that level of training so that if let's say they never did zero seven they could get to zero seven for the purpose of owning a weapon i don't know I think that would be a great idea, and I, I think that's the type of compromise we need in this society, where you can learn how to be trusted with a weapon. I know I just did finger guns. <laughs> I just did finger guns. <laughs> I just did finger guns. Yeah, yeah. Well, we both did finger guns, but you get the point. Uh, you, you, you can trust people to... <laughs> First of all, you can't trust people... Okay, as someone who's worked at a shooting range, okay, you can't trust people. All right, people are idiots. Okay, but there are Arabs out there who are stupid enough to try to stab Jews too. So what's your point? 
Everyone's an idiot. Yes, but you don't. You, I mean, it's much easier to to use a, a knife than it is to use a gun. I think if you're trying to cause the most damage, a gun is much easier. If you don't care who you're easier, killing. but it's, it's much harder to learn. That's what I'm saying. I, I didn't say give everyone a gun and say, be on your way. I said there should be a way to teach people how to use a gun. And by the way, if you're a regular infantry soldier, you've also never used a pistol before. So I don't. That's true. So I don't see why. Like, it's, it's not even like we give them back their rifles. It's that we allow them to buy a pistol. So as far as I'm concerned, we're all on the same footing here. Yeah, no, you're definitely right on that. And by the way, there are lots of people who buy weapons years after they're done with the army. They don't remember how to use a weapon. They don't remember all their tactics. And also, the things you'll do as a civilian with a weapon are different than the things you'll do as a soldier. Because as a soldier, you're, you, have a, you have a uniform. People see that you're supposed to have a weapon. People know who you are. Sometimes, and, and this is not an argument against owning a gun, but I, I always think about what would happen if I were to use a weapon against a terrorist and then... For whatever reason, someone thinks that I'm the terrorist and they shoot me. I always think about it. What's going to stop if I neutralize the terrorist? What's going to stop someone from thinking, oh, I'm the bad guy now? Or if, let's say, I'm able to overpower someone. It's it's situational. I guess if the person saw you, then then they wouldn't. But I guess let's say they just heard gunshots and then they ran around the corner and, and saw, you know, you shot this person. First of all, they probably wouldn't shoot you right away without probable... I don't know. They probably wouldn't shoot you right away. Um, okay, but now let's let's now let's do a different scenario. Suppose that a terrorist is running at me with a knife, and I'm somehow able to use Krav Maga powers, my Krav Maga powers, to overcome the terrorist, take the knife, and slit his throat. Right? Pardon the the imagery here. Uh, and now I'm holding this knife, a very bloody knife. Why wouldn't someone shoot me? I do know that like they do teach you not to shoot someone unless they're actively trying to kill someone but the fact that this is after the fact that you already killed someone they wouldn't yeah but but that's the thing sometimes people just shoot like i don't doubt that that's what they teach because i remember that's what they taught me but still like i don't know if i trust that but you it's not again like you could you could stay up at night thinking about these things at the end of the day you have the right to defend yourself don't worry, Luke. If I if I see you uh, holding a knife, a bloody knife, who slit someone's throat, I'll I'll shoot you. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I I'm not gonna. I I I don't think I would even wait to do that. I think you would shoot me even without that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> and if it makes uh, you feel any better, I would shoot you too. Aww. <laughs> I know this is such a, this is such a wholesome family show. <laughs> it's a wholesome yeah. family show. I love this. This is great. We need we need more of this, Rody. We need more of this in the world. Friends who are know, willing right? to shoot instead each other. of you know instead of taking a bullet for each other, we need to be willing to shoot each other. Give a bullet, not Give take a bullet. bullet. <laughs> Give a bullet, not take a bullet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, with that, uh, that's our episode. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. Please smash that like button, share the video with your friends, and subscribe to the channel. In addition, please hit the notification bell in order to be notified of our latest uploads. You can also find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can reach out to us by sliding into our DMs at the right side of the compass or by commenting on the video. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to seeing you next time.